This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. This morning I'm looking at the book of Lamentations, looking at chapter 3. This morning I'm thinking, I've been thinking all night and I've been thinking this morning early, on the danger of forgetting. The book of Lamentations, it is a book that's not preached out of much. It's a book that's not referenced much. If you find in chapter number 3 and in verse number 19, the scripture says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance. And is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in Him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him, to the soul that seeketh Him. Three different times in the passage that I've read, there is a word that is used that wants you to bring back to your memory. He says in verse number 19, remembering. He says in verse number 20, remembrance. And then he says in verse number 21, recall. It's an interesting little book, the book of Lamentations. It's really what you and I would call a funeral dirge. Five different chapters that were sung as the captives were leaving, burning Jerusalem. As the city had been set ablaze in 586 BC by Nebuchadnezzar and his armies, they had laid the city in siege for 18 months. They had burned the city to the ground. And now the ash heap of the smoldering, uh, the smoldering golden gates of Jerusalem and the temple now lay in ruin. What used to be a golden statue to the glory of God now lay nothing more than just a, no more than a cigarette ash heap that had been trodden beneath a man's foot. And there they stood as a testimony of what happens when you do not remember God. And there as the men and women were marching out of Jerusalem in chains and in bonds being marched back to uh, Babylon and then one side was being marched back to Egypt. They were chanting and singing the five chapters of the book of Lamentation. They are the funeral chants of the people that are left behind. Those people that had seen the city burn. Those people that had seen the walls come down. Those people that had watched the gold between the stones run out. The people that had seen the altar no longer run with blood of goats and lambs, but now with the blood of men and priests. Those people that had seen the clear water of the golden or the bronze laver, they had seen it turn from clear now to muddy blood where men would try to wash the blood of other men caked on their feet 
fingernails and on their arms. Those people that had seen the smoldering were left to sing the story. One reason for people to remember. 21 years ago, I was in school. Our principal called us down to the gymnasium. And there our entire high school was put in the chairs and he stood up and I thought it odd that day when we went down for that assembly, we went down for that, that chapel, I thought it odd that day that moms and dads were there. I thought it odd that day that the parents that had come in had tears in their eyes on the side overlooking the children's head just hoping to find their son's face they were trying to see if their daughter was safe because they had watched in horror as two planes had smacked into the side of two twin towers in New York City. While we were there in that assembly, somebody ran up to our principal, handed our principal a note, and he looked at that note and his face turned ashen white as he looked at us and he said this phrase, America is under attack. I was just a kid that day. I, I remember it, though, as if it happened to me this morning. Something like that etched into your mind. But it is interesting to me how something can be engraven into the stone of your mind, yet it gets filed away in the cabinet of oblivion. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I watched that day when two towers filled with concrete and human souls towered all the way from their steepling heights all the way down to their lower basements. And it is amazing to me that as they fell, they served as a prophecy. You see, it was not just stone and concrete that came under attack that day, but the God of heaven sent a warning shot across the bow of the American ship because there was another attack that was on the way. It was the twin towers of liberty and justice that were about to come under attack. And for the last two decades, you and I have watched as men that do not know God and do not care about the freedoms that God has given us in this land have done everything in their power to attack the very freedoms and liberty that God has given to us. And yet it is amazing to me that while we see what happened to Twin Towers that did not have the ability to stand what happened to their end, you and I sit idly by as we see men and women that do not care about anything that we love or believe in rip us asunder and aside. And we stand aside like the firefighters and the police officers did that day and said, what is there that we can do? You and I stand beside all of the attacks that are being leveled against the church of Jesus Christ today and we are saying what can we do and to that the Lord calls out the same thing to you and I that he called out to Israel he says all you've got to do is remember all you have to do is to look back in your eyesight because Israel had forgotten you say what had Israel forgotten the same thing you and I have forgotten they had forgotten number one they had forgotten the source of their blessing. They had forgot that it was the God of heaven that pulled them out of Egypt's bondage. They forgot it was the God of eternal power that laid them over the Red Sea that day. They forgotten it was God that gave Joshua the power and the miracle to roll back the Red Sea. It was the God of heaven that sent them rain in that land of promise. It was the God of heaven that gave them flocks and vineyards that they did not earn or deserve. But yet the God of heaven that 
gave them rain. They turned their eyes and forgot him. And now they prayed to the God of rain that he would send rain. How did they do that? Because they had forgotten. They had forgotten the God that brought them over. They forgot that it wasn't the rain God that gave them rain. They forgot that it wasn't Ra, the sun God that gave them sun. They forgot that it was not Asherah that blessed their crops. They forgot that it was not Baal that blessed their flocks. They forgot that it was not one of these little stone marble idols that they had set in the crevices of the rock that gave them their blessing. But it was mighty Jehovah's hand that had given them the blessings that they had been given. But you and I look back now and we say how in the world could Israel have ever forgotten? How could they cease to remember? Ladies and gentlemen, you and I have made the same journey that Israel has made in our land. We crossed over a mighty sea except this time we did not cross over between the sea but by the mighty grace of God our ancestors crossed over on top of the sea and months and months those men they left Holland and those men left different countries your forefathers my forefathers the ancient Baptist people as they crossed over that choppy water in the middle of the winter as they made their way during the cold season as they made their way through the sickness they landed upon this hallowed ground that you and I call America and upon this ground they made one covenant and they said God we will never forget that it is you that has blessed us and you that has given us our blessing and that covenant still stands today but yet you and I we look at the big wigs on Wall Street and we say they are the ones that we've got to bow down to because they give us our success we bow down to the politicians in Raleigh hoping they'll give us another handout and make us feel better about stealing it out of our pockets and putting it in our hand. And we look at them and say, we've got to make sure that we don't forget them. At the end of the day, it was not a politician. It was not a a big wig on Wall Street. It was not a CEO. But every good and pleasant gift that you and I have ever been given was by the mighty hand of an almighty God. Ladies and gentlemen, never, ever, ever, ever stop remembering that this morning you did not eat your biscuit biscuit because somebody got up and baked it for you but it was the good grace of God that gave you the ability to go through that drive through put that dollar 95 in your pocket it was the source of our blessing God almighty it was not Chevy and it was not Ford that put that car in the parking lot and it was not the Toyota man that put it in your driveway it was the good God of heaven that gave you a back to work and gave you legs that would walk on this ground and God is the source of our blessing But yet today, the richest, most prosperous land in all of the world, we have forgotten the source of our blessing. We have forgotten the source of God's blessing. We look and we think it is some rain God. It is some sun God. It is some green dollar God in our pocket. It is God Almighty that has blessed us. And this morning, you are not saved because I am your God. You are not saved because you've come in this church sitting on these rows, sitting in that foyer, watching online or in some other room that we've got people in. I remind you right now, I am saved right now, standing on both of my ten and a halves because Jesus Christ left where he was and came to where I was. The source of our blessings, we have forgotten them. Number two, we have forgotten sorely the suffering from disobedience. Why did Israel go into bondage? Because they forgot what happened when you didn't follow God. 
They forgot what happened when you did not give God his due. They forgot what happened whenever you did not honor the word of God. Do you know why Israel went in bondage for 70 years in Babylon? One reason and one reason only. In Leviticus chapter number 25, they'd been given a prescription. And God said six years you can farm the land, but on the seventh year will be a year of Sabbath rest. There'll be no farming. There'll be no tilling. There'll be no sowing. There'll be no reaping. And people said, how in the world are we ever going to get food if we don't sow and we don't till and we don't reap and we don't harvest. God said, I'm going to be your testimony and I'm going to feed you. But for 490 years, they did not keep one Sabbath year. And so God said, you're going to go into the land of Babylon in captivity one year for every Sabbath year that you did not keep. You know what they did not realize? They had forgotten that you cannot disobey God and get by with it. I may be a dinosaur just call me t-rex baby i still believe in 2022 that it never pays to dishonor god and it always pays to honor god we've got thieves in the house of god we've got backbiters in the house of god we've got malicious tongues in the house of god we've got people that turn aside in the house of god i'm not worried about the white house i'm not worried about the state house i'm not even worried about their house i'm worried about your house i'm worried about my house and I'm worried about the church house. I cannot change them out there, but I can make sure that you and I in here know that it never pays to disobey God and it always pays to honor and obey God. You will suffer the consequences. You say, what in the world's happening in our nation? We are suffering from disobedience. When is somebody going to stand up and say what's going on is not the judgment of God coming. Honey, the judgment of God is here. That's the judgment of God. Now, I want you to notice the third thing that they forgot. They forgot the suddenness of their destruction and judgment. You know what they didn't believe? They didn't believe they'd ever go into captivity. Not mighty Israel, the nation of God. Not us. That could never happen to us. At 8.02, on September the 11th, 2001, America went into their places of business, got on their airplanes, went into their offices, cooked their breakfast, thinking this, we're the mightiest nation in all of the world. Nothing could ever happen to us. And with one collision of steel and aluminum and concrete, we realized very quickly that judgment can happen in the blink of a finger. You and I need to understand very quickly right now, it only takes one second for God to take us from the height of the celestial peak down to the pit of hell's burning. It only takes one split second for God to say, I'm done, I'm through, I'm over it. Ladies and gentlemen, we best remember. We ought to turn our eyes and remember. You've got to recall that judgment comes and judgment is on the way. It's not going to be a far off. It's not going to be on the horizon. One day we're going to wake up and it's going to be here. It's going to be sitting on our front porch. It's going to be in our car. It's going to be sitting in our lap. And we're not going to be doing anything with it. That's why God says you must remember. Look now, if you will, in verse number 19, though. What happens when we forget? There's four words I want you to write down in verse number 19. Number one, the first thing that happens, you'll know a nation's under the judgment of God in verse number 19, when there's worthlessness. 
Notice what it says in verse number 19. Remembering mine affliction. Affliction, that word affliction, it has the idea of being, of being uh, mistreated and browbeaten because you're poor. You see what happened to Israel. They used to have glory. They used to have gold. They used to have God. Now you know what they had? Nothing. And you know what they felt like? They felt afflicted. They felt like nobody cared about them. They felt like they weren't worth a shiny red penny. They weren't worth a nickel. They weren't worth a single thing. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an amazing thing to me as I look around our precious land, a land that flows with the blessing of God, and yet people have no self-worth. They have no self-desire. They have no self-esteem. They look around and they go from place to place and person to person and thing to thing and, and job to job looking for worth, looking for value. We get into a marriage and realize that marriage just ain't quite doing it for us. So we jump to the next thing and we see children and we jump to the next thing and kids look at parents that are working hard and daddy may have just been a, a this or daddy may have just been that but that wasn't good enough for Junior or Sally or whoever. I don't know why we make up these crazy names. Everybody's name now, we're calling people by jars and we're calling people by Coca-Cola cola if somebody in this church names their baby pepsi cola so help me i'm voting somebody out it is an amazing thing to me how we can be the wealthiest land in the world have the biggest blessings in the world and have no worth at all you know why a nation under the judgment of god will feel worthless you know why they'll feel afflicted Because the human heart is made so that the key of God is the only thing that will turn the lock. And when there is not a God to turn the lock, nothing will open the door. The second word is this. You'll know a nation's under judgment, not just when there's worthlessness, but when there's homelessness. Look at what it says in verse number 19. It says, remembering mine affliction and my misery. That word misery, it has the idea of a wanderer that goes from place to place because his home has been burned to the ground. My grandfather, my great-grandfather, I I remember when I was just a kid, I remember being a boy. I I can remember so many things. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, but I can remember things about my childhood. I can remember riding down the road and almost every house on the 4th of July would have a flag they got from Walmart stuck in the side of it. Maybe Sears and Roebuck or Roses or wherever they went back then. And can you imagine today, would you ever have believed that just 30 years later, there'd be a fight over whether we'd even sing the national anthem in the land of America? What's the difference between that back there and this up here? It's simple. The reason they fought so hard and lived so so true back here is this was their home. Over here you got politicians that won't even stand up when the national anthem sung. And they'll say things like, this is not my land. And not one preacher, not one Christian's ever stood up and said, why do they feel that way? You know why? We're under the judgment of God. Nobody wants to relate that this is their home. The third word I want you to look at in verse number 19, you'll know that you're under the judgment of God, and when you've been forgetful, there'll be lifelessness. Look at what it says in verse number 19. Remembering my affliction and my misery 
the worm wood. Wormwood was a, was a poison. It comes from a plant. And, and what that plant would do, that wormwood, it would turn a drink poisonous. And when you would drink wormwood, it was used kind of like arsenic or cyanide. It would not kill you immediately. It was a slow death. And the person would get lethargic. And then immediately after that lethargy, there'd be tiredness. And then when that tiredness set in, there'd be death. Can I tell you what happens when a nation doesn't remember and we forget? We turn into lifeless beings. Nothing more to do. Nothing more to conquer. Nothing more to go after. That's the problem in so many churches. They have ceased to remember what God is. They have ceased to remember what God does. They have ceased to remember how God operates. They have ceased to remember what God is able to do. And now they're just a bunch of lifeless beings. I wonder how many churches this morning people will go into the house of God. And inside of the house of God there will be a lifeless preacher that stands in front of a lifeless choir. And that will sing to a lifeless congregation that's run by lifeless leaders and they'll go out and spread their lifelessness into a dead and dying world. Brothers and sisters, I remind you right now, that's not something that you can shake out of. That's not something that you can make your mind to get out of. It's a judgment that God sends upon a church. It's a judgment that God sends upon a nation. It's a judgment that God sends upon a family. When a people forget God He said, you're drinking the slow poison of death. When was the last time you went into a church? I know some of y'all don't travel. But the last time you traveled, when was the last time you went into a church and a preacher really said and meant it and said, the God that was is the God that is. What's he doing? He's remembering But then there'll be people that'll get up in churches. I'm not going to talk to them. They don't believe me. I'll talk to y'all. Get up in churches and a preacher will say something like this. Well, it's just the day we're living in. Just the day we're living in. You know what he's forgotten? He ceases to remember. Where are the daddies? Whenever a child comes up to them. And says, Daddy, you think we can do X? First thing so many daddies do. No, we can't afford that. How gone? Instead of looking at that baby and saying, I'll tell you what, son. We're not able to right now. But the God that I serve is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And we'll get on our knees right now before him. And if I don't care if that little boy wants to go to a Braves baseball game and you can't afford the nosebleed on top of the nosebleed, you can't even afford to work there. Where's the daddy or the mama that says, I'll tell you what, we may not have a lot, we may not have much, but the God that gave us everything is the God that can give us anything else. And get on your knees before a holy God with your son and say, my father in heaven, I want this boy to know the God that was is the God that is. I don't want lifeless families. I don't want lifeless churches. I don't want lifeless people. But it will be lifeless when you forget and won't remember God. Where are the single mamas? Where are the single mothers that will look at their child and say, I know. I know we're not everything everybody else is. But the God that helps them is the God that can help us. All it takes is remembering. 
Where's a college kid whose parents don't go to church, they don't want anything to do with God, and you bring yourself to church every week, you bring yourself to church when the doors are open and nobody else comes, and the devil's telling you God doesn't care, you're not noticed, nobody's paying attention, and that lifelessness is trying to be, listen to me, the God that saved them back there, the God that worked back there, the God that helped them back there, you don't read anything about Noah's daddy getting on the ark, you don't read anything about Elijah's daddy on top of Carmel, you don't read anything about Elisha's family, at the tomb. You don't read anything about John Wildman baptizers daddy down at the Jordan River. You know why? Because they only had themselves, but they didn't go by themselves. There was a mighty big God that went down there with them. And I tell you this morning, all you've got to do is remember. Fourth word I'll give you. It's the word drunkenness. Notice what it says in verse number 19. Remembering my affliction and my misery. The wormwood and the gall. Gall in the Bible was a painkiller. You and I, it would be our, our modern day Percocet or Oxycontin. What people would do is they would take so much gall that they'd get into a drunken stupor. And they couldn't think clearly. They couldn't operate clearly. They couldn't live right. They were alive, but they were woozy. You ever look at somebody that's, over, that's, that's taking drugs or drink, and you look at them and you try to reason with them? You can't do it. They're under the influence of something. Do you know what we're looking at in our nation right now? People that are under the influence of spiritual drunkenness. I'm not a politician, but I think I'll make a few of them mad right now. We're in inflation up to our eyeballs. Mamas and daddies can barely afford to make ends meet. Gas is at the yin-yang. I got an idea. Let's cut off our pumping oil. I got an idea. I'm a go, I ain't getting political, but I'm going to go somewhere. I got an idea. The dollar's already worth pennies. Let's pump $500 billion into the economy from Washington. I think that's a fantastic idea. You know what that does? For those of you that, did, that don't, didn't take economic, here's what happens. Whenever there's already a supply and demand problem, whenever you give a bunch of people a bunch of money, you all of a sudden increase demand. But you know what you don't increase? So in a capitalistic society, when there's more demand than there is supply, you know what that does to the price? Stop. No politics. You ready? Because if a Republican did it, I'd tell them they were crazy too. Here's my question. Have you ever looked and said, why don't you get it? It's a spiritual stupor that God has sent across the land because a nation has forgotten. 
And a nation that has forgotten will walk in a spiritual stupor. And a nation that has forgotten will have no wisdom. And a nation that has forgotten will have no ability to follow the wisdom that God and God alone sends. I remind you right now, it's not a Republican fix. It is not a Democrat fix. It's not a political fix. It is a spiritual problem. There is a demon force upon the land that's putting men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and young adults and children and they're they're taking their minds and places and they're in this woozy spiritual drunk and you can't shake somebody out of that there's only one way and that's to remember I'll give you three things load them up blow them out what does a nation have to remember I'm done I mean I'm done when I say I'm done I really mean I'm done okay I will then The first thing a nation's got to remember if we're going to shake out of all of these things, the first thing a nation's got to remember, we have got to remember it is the Lord's mercy. Notice what it says in verse number 22. It says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. Ladies and gentlemen, I know right now our nation is spit in the eye of God, but God still loves us. I know our nation has slapped the God of heaven in the face, but our God still loves us. I know our nation is turned their back on the God that pulled them out of the pit of nothing but our God still loves us I know that our nation has walked away from the very foundation that our forefathers laid down in the good grace of God but our God still loves us you know why our God loves us it's not because of our military's might it's not because of our nation's wealth it's not because of our lands and our freedoms it is because his mercies and his compassions are new every morning you know what that means that means we cannot earn our way back to the grace of God. We cannot earn our way back to the goodness of God. It's by the mercy of God. And therefore, if I cannot earn it, if I cannot deserve it, then I've got to throw myself upon the altar of His grace and mercy and say, Oh God, I remember who you were. I remember how you operate. I remember what you've done. I remember where you've taken us from. I remember what you did back there. I remember how you operated back there. Oh God, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but I'm begging you. Have mercy on me somebody asked they'll say will God forgive us you notice what he says he says his compassions fail not they are new every morning will God forgive our land did the sun come up this morning that's what he's trying to say will the sun come up yes will God forgive a people that fall upon his mercy yes We bought a dog. We bought a dog. You know, can I encourage a young man in the room right now? Never say never. This little golden doodle puppy. Yeah, don't awe me. We named her Peaches. Peaches. Peaches, the puppy, needs a diaper, if you know what I'm saying. 
Peaches the puppy has a bladder issue. You know what that issue is? She can't hold it. And Tyler the daddy ain't a big fan of Peaches the puppy's bladder issue. This morning at 5 o'clock when I got up and got moving, Peaches the puppy wanted to go outside in the rain, in the dark. So Tyler the daddy took Peaches the puppy and we went outside and Peaches the puppy walked around, ate three leaves and came back in and acted like she was good to go. Walked right over to my very expensive Persian rug that I have looked for and looked for and sat right down on it and commenced to her bladder issues. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. Oh, Tyler the daddy just about took Peaches the puppy and kicked her through the goalposts of life, if you know what I'm saying. And if there's an animal rights person in this room, so help me sit down, be quiet. This is my story to tell. That dog has got more bling and goodness than I have ever thought about having. Right when I was ready to thump that dog right in the eyeball. My son comes running out. My son would sleep to the crack of noon every day if I would let him. But this morning at 5.15 in the morning, he comes running out, wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, and he picks up Peaches, the, the, the puppy. Right when Daddy was getting ready to thump Peaches, the puppy, my son stood in the way. I was ready to carry out my vengeance. And it wasn't Peaches, the puppy, that kept me from carrying out my vengeance. It was my love for my son and my son's love for Peaches the puppy that kept me from punishing that little girl and just cleaning up her mess. I'm telling you right now, my mind's eye went racing back to every time I've ever messed up and the good God of heaven was ready to thump me right then. But the Lord Jesus Christ, who saved my soul, came running between me and the heavenly Father. And he said, Father, I know they have not deserved it, but because of me... Don't tell me God won't forgive our land. The Lord's mercy, number two, the Lord's sufficiency. Somehow, in some way, Peaches the puppy is getting ready to make another comeback in this story. <laughs> Notice what it says in verse number 24. The Lord is my portion. That word portion it literally means a share of the territory. My plot of land, he said. Now listen to me. What, what the, the writer of Lamentations, and we don't know who it is. Some say it's Jeremiah, but it's never written down who it actually is. But whoever it is said, you know what, Lord? They may have taken my city. They may have taken my temple. They may have taken everything that I've ever held dear to. But I still have a something in you. I still have everything I need in you. Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you right now. You and I are finding that God is ripping everything we thought we had to have out of our lives.
so that we see one truth, the Lord is my portion. You know, people always say the longer you have the dog, the more you'll love a dog. That better be true. Because my wife is smitten. And when I say my wife ain't a dog person, I'm telling you my wife ain't an animal person at all. She is smitten. Now, our backyard, we've got a fenced-in backyard, and it's a pretty good size. It's not massive, but it's bigger than we've ever had. And we, we take Peaches, the puppy, and, and we take her, and my son's holding her. And our backyard's fenced in, and I've spent so much money on my grass. So much money on my grass. And Mason lets Peaches the puppy down. And Peaches the puppy just sits. And I looked at Peaches the puppy. I said, dog, if you don't get up, you're going to kill that spot of grass you're sitting on. There's a whole yard. You know, Peaches the puppy looked down. And when I tell you they bought her toys, that ain't no joke. I mean, I'm talking, I'm talking balls, I'm talking squeakers, I'm talking bones, I'm talking everything. You, the dog has got it. And you know what my dog did? My dog looked on the ground and picked up a wet leaf and went to town. <laughs> now, I didn't say Peaches the puppy was a rocket scientist. And she's just throwing, thrashing her head with that stupid leaf. And she's thrashing. Y'all got a crazy dog too, don't you? Yeah, I know y'all do. Thrashing her head. And that leaf just rips to pieces. You know what that stupid dog does? Goes and finds another wet leaf. All the stuff that's in that backyard. And she's enamored with two dead leaves. The Lord is my portion. All that Jesus Christ promises to give us inside the confines of His grace and mercy. All of the peace and all of the mercy and all of the joy and all of the hope and all of everything that He possibly is. And you and I go out into this world and we plop ourselves down and we don't exceed and we don't go around and we don't search out and make any excursions into what God is, who God is, how God wants us to operate, where God wants us to go. We just plop ourselves down on our spiritual piece of real estate and we're excited eating death every day of our lives. You know why? We have forgotten. How many of you remember what it was like when you first got saved? I mean first got saved. I'm going to tell you something. When I first got saved, my, I went and told my dad that afternoon. When I got saved that morning, I finally took a breath. I knew in that moment what it felt like to be not afraid to die. I knew in that moment what it felt like to have peace in my heart. I took a deep breath that day in my soul. And I was just excited about the fact that I'm saved. But yet today, look at all the trinkets. I get mad at God when He takes away from me. What do you mean I can't preach it 50 places this year? I only get to preach it 40. God said, you have forgotten what I've given you.
You remember what it was like when you first met your wife? You were just thankful that somebody like her would love somebody like you. And now the devil's got your mind so tore up because she don't cook like this. She don't wash like this. She don't hold your hands like this. She don't look at you like that. Well, you're ugly. I don't know what to tell you. No wonder she don't look at you like she used to. You're ugly, fellas. You're overweight. You've lost all your hair, and you smell like a goat. I don't know what to tell you. No wonder she don't look at you like she used to. Do you know what the devil has done to every one of us in this house? We have forgotten that Jesus Christ is everything we need. Everything I've got to have is in Christ. Let me give you one more. Look at verse number 25. What do you have to remember? What does our nation have to remember? You've got to remember the Lord's goodness. Notice what it says in verse number 25. The Lord is good. The Lord is that word good in the Hebrew, it's the word tob, and it literally means to be beneficial, to be overabundant, to give you everything that you ever thought you, you would never have, everything that you never thought that you would ever deserve, everything you ever thought you'd never hold in your hand, things you did not earn, things you could not keep, things you could not hold. The Lord is good. Last night I struggled so much to to put together a message. I struggled so hard to put together anything. I woke up this morning, me and Peaches the puppy were looking at each other. And I said, Peaches, if you don't lay down and go to sleep, I ain't going to have nothing for the people of God at the house. And I got to looking at her and I thought, Peaches the puppy. And out comes my little boy. And when I tell you that boy had a smile from his left ear to his right ear, that is not an understatement. He's not stopped smiling. My little girl hadn't stopped crying, but my little boy has not stopped smiling. And you know what I thought about? How many of you remember when you were young and you used to say, I wonder what my kids are going to look like? And here he comes. The Lord is good. And I'm, and I'm sitting here in a house, and man, it's raining, and it's drizzling, and it's comfortable inside. The Lord is good. 18 years old, God called me to preach. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody cared who I was, and nobody would come to hear me. And this morning, we put chairs in the back, put chairs on the side, put chairs in the foyer. The Lord is Good. Ten years ago, we walked into this church. It was just me and you and a couple of us. And we had God. We had no money. We had no property. We had nothing. But yet here we are with property from left to right. God's blessed us in our, in our goodness. And God's blessed us in his mercy. The Lord is good. There's some of you right now where you are today versus where you were two years ago, three years ago, five years ago. All you ought to say is the Lord is good. And yet you hear, you're here just like me. And the devil's got your mind so racked. He's got your eyes so racked with all the things you don't have and all the things you think you have to have and all the things you never got to have. And the devil's got you so messed up because this happened, because this happened. I'm telling you right now, the Lord is good. America would do well to stop reaching for things that she does not have and start looking back and remembering everything that God has ever given us. You do realize right now, had it not been for the forces of Normandy, the people in America right now would probably be speaking German and we would have a swastika instead of a flag. You and I need to understand had it not been for the forces of our men and women that would march onto Iwo Jima's hill and raise an American flag. Right now you and I instead of hamburgers we'd be eating noodle 
somewhere instead of having an American life. We'd be living under the imperial Japanese military. Here's what I'm telling you right now. It is the Lord's goodness that we sit here in this church. It is the Lord's goodness that we have our land. It is the Lord's goodness that you and I have anything that we have. And this morning, we've got to remember what God 21 years ago, towers fell, and we've already forgotten. I want you to lift your eyes to heaven. I want you right now to go above the fray of the Milky Way, the stars, and the static of space. Lift your eyes far above anything that you ever thought that you could see. Above all the calls and all the phrase and all the thrills of this life, all of the cares and concerns, and go up to the heavenlies, what would your family be saying? What would your children, your grandparents, what would those men and women that died that day in that tower and the ones that were born again by the grace of God that went up to heaven that are now a part of that heavenly host, what would they say? Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you this morning, There is but one thing that men and women need, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. 